0: ask you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 7, um, and then we're going to read one verse, I think, in Luke 19, but um, the thought that we have is, is going to um, encompass from Genesis to Revelation. You've, uh, I know we have a good time about the length of my sermons, but let me tell you, so you don't know how good you've got it. As far as, I, I, I'm in some Facebook groups for pastors, and the question was asking that group the other day, what's the average length of your sermon? Believe it or not, I was at the low end on a lot of that. One guy said an hour, an hour and a half, average. And I thought, well, that has got it better than you realize. <laughs> but we're, <laughs> we're going to try to not do that today. Uh, but it is, um, um, it is. Well, just pray for me. I'll put it that way. 1 Samuel chapter number 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. And verse 1. And the men of kirjath Jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in kirjath Jerim that there, the time was long, for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines." Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, "Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord." And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, "We have sinned against the Lord." And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with the great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. Now listen, here's the, here's the thought of the whole thing. Didn't Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Uh, one verse in, in Luke 19, uh, Luke 19 verse 40, And he answered, he being Jesus, and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Again, I don't think I've ever preached before we had a, a church prayer. This is new to me, but I, I feel the need to go ahead and do this. You pray for me. Uh, I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning on the stones are crying. Um, I, I thought, and I hadn't even, I, The Lord laid this on my heart early in the week, and I've tried to study different places, um, but I had the thought this morning that I hadn't had all week, and, uh, and that was when I was a kid... Um, uh, we uh, a, a dear friend of mine, she actually grew up like a sister. Her name is, yeah, she lives in Lafayette. You probably know her. It's Kendra Ramsey or Kendra Bray now. Um, and she's, uh, there's about 26 days that separate our births. And uh, she grew up right next door. Our moms worked together at Carter's Automotive here in Lafayette. And we grew up like brother and sister. Uh, and, but she is 26 days older. She's the older one, just so you know that. Uh, but, uh, but she was a dear friend to me and still is. And, and we were so close. But, uh, but we spent a lot of time together growing up. and. Uh, and and we, we, we collected rocks. And you might say, that sounds like a dull thing to do. Well, in Bug in the 1980s, there wasn't much else to do uh, besides doing stuff like that. So we, we collected rocks. And I can still remember, uh, we, my granny had a, had a guest bedroom that nobody ever stayed in. And, and we kept this great bucket of rocks underneath this bed. And we would pull it out from time to time and, and some were smooth, I mean just as smooth as they could be. Uh, some were, were more crystal than they were rock, I guess, and, or at least it looked that way. And, and it was sort of fascinating and you know, every once in a while we would pull, that, uh, pull those rocks out and begin to sift through them and, and then we would add stuff to it if we found arrowheads or whatever. Uh, but today I just want to preach to you on the thought the stones are crying. Uh, and, and I want to go through the scripture and all we're going to be doing this morning really is just picking up rocks. That's. Uh, that's really what we're going to do. But there were different times in the Scripture uh, that God uses a stone uh, to represent things. Uh, and so when we're collecting rocks this morning, you can go from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, but the first one that I want to touch on today uh, is there was a man by the name of Jacob. Uh, and Jacob's uh, granddaddy was Abraham, and his daddy was Isaac, and then came Jacob. And Jacob found himself in a place that uh, that he really probably never expected him to be he was raised uh, under the uh, under the teaching of Abraham and Isaac and I know they taught Jacob and Esau about the God of their fathers about the promise that that God had made but Jacob had lived his life as a bitter deceiver of a deceiver and and uh, and he he didn't always do the things that mom and dad taught at home I didn't always listen to Rebecca and Isaac or Abraham and Sarah and so Jacob grew up and his name was a supplanter or a deceiver. Uh, but, but there came a point in Jacob's life uh, that he had just, uh, in Esau's mind, stole his birthright. And Jacob had to flee. He had to run. Uh, His brother, his twin brother, was after him. Uh, And after the death of Abraham, uh, or after the death of Isaac, he intended to kill his brother Jacob. And so Rebekah got wind of this, his mother, and she said, you've got to get out of here. And she talked to Isaac, and Isaac said, "Uh, you need to go away far from here. Uh, Go back to the land of your mother. Go back to her brother named Laban and and find you a daughter. Of his, and, and you find you a wife from that country, and so Jacob took out, uh, and as he uh, as he took out, he came to a place that at that time was called Luz. Uh, but in that place of lies, the Scripture says that uh, that this man Jacob laid down uh, and he uh, he set up a stone for his pillow. Uh, the earth was his bed uh, and the stone was his pillow. And as he lay his head on that stone, he went to sleep. And the Scripture says, Behold, he dreamed that night. And he had visions uh, uh, that changed everything about his life. Uh, you see, you can hear about the God of heaven. Uh, uh, Jacob had heard about the God of heaven but it never became real to him i don't think until this night at a place called luz and as he dreamed with his head upon that stone for a pillow, uh, the scripture says he saw uh, an angel that stretched from the earth all the way up to the heavens. Uh, and as he lay there and watched that ladder, in that vision the Bible said that angels uh, began to descend and ascend upon that ladder. And he watched those angels just coming and going, uh, coming from earth to heaven and going from heaven to earth. Uh, and as he began to watch. Watch in amazement this picture says that the God of his fathers stood up above that ladder and he said, Jacob, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And he said unto you and your seed I'm going to give this land. The place that you're laying on right now I'm going to give it to you and to your seed after you. And I'm going to make a great people out of of you and the scripture says that Jacob rose up and he said uh, he said, the power in the presence of God is in this place and I didn't know it and it says he took that stone that he used for a pillow and he began to pour oil upon it and he consecrated or he, he made that stone into a memorial and, and he placed that stone and he called the name of that stone or the name of that place Bethel uh, which means the house of God and he said surely it is the gate of heaven. I've thought about that this week. We're just picking up rocks but uh, Brother Ricky if you've uh, been on Facebook and and follow our uh, Facebook page Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church uh, uh, he's laid a lot of rocks down this week. Uh, uh, We're getting ready later on in the year uh, to celebrate 175 years here at Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, I dare say there's been a lot of rocks that's been collected uh, from this place. Uh, You call them I've heard some of you refer to fence posts or places in your life that God has showed you without a doubt that he is a God that's for you and a God that's with you and without God you couldn't have made it through that and so Brother Ricky has sent out these messages and I've been picking up those rocks this week but I thought about that in connection with the house of God and being the gate of heaven and my friend I know that Christ is the gate Christ is the door, uh, but my friends, I also realize today uh, that He needs a church uh, to preach His word. He needs a church, uh, the Bible says that the church uh, I believe is uh, is uh, the true church today. That you're a part of uh, and a member of an old-fashioned missionary Baptist church. Uh, I do believe we can make the case that uh, that the church uh, that we're not the door to heaven, uh, but we are the house of God, and so people. Come through those doors and we preach unto them the gospel that they can find some rocks and that they can begin to believe in the God that they know at this point nothing about. And so he named the place of that Bethel. How when you get a later on later, later on down through the history of Israel, and they've been in Egypt, they've been killed in captivity, and then the deliverer by the name of Moses comes. We watched that movie the other night about him, and we 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 know how that God. delivered them. But Moses was not the man that brought them into that promised land. That man's name was Joshua. And we find in the life of Joshua, after Moses died, God said, Joshua, I'm going to take you. I'm going to magnify you in the sight of all of Israel. And he said, they are going to look at you like they all looked at Moses. And this day I'm going to magnify you. He said, but here's what I want you to do. You gather up twelve men, uh, one out of every tribe of my people, and you begin to say to them uh, that this Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Scripture says that the Ark of the Covenant was a place where God would dwell uh, between the cherubims with outstretched arms. And He said, You take the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, They'd come to the Jordan River about to go into the Promised Land, Uh, but the river was blocking them. Uh, They couldn't get around it. Uh, She was overflowing her banks at that time of the year and so what were they to do and God had led them up to this point but they couldn't go any further and God said Joshua I'm going to magnify you I want you to take those 12 men one out of every tribe you send the ark of the covenant which represented the presence of God and he said you let that go before you and as they, as the priests that carried that ark of the covenant when their feet touched uh, six feet. Uh, when they set their feet into the midst of the Jordan River, he said, "I'm going to suffer. I'm going to. I'm going to cause the waters to stand up on a heap, and you're going to walk over on dry land." Uh, but he said, "Those twelve men. I want you to go and take those twelve men." And so they all passed over. A uh, forty thousand men of war uh, passed over, and the whole camp of Israel passed over. And then he took those twelve men. Uh, the priests were the only ones left. I still standing there on dry ground. I still standing there after all that time waiting for the last one to cross. But they were there. And Joshua took those men and he said, You go stand and you go back into the Jordan. You take you twelve stones. Every man takes a stone. And the scripture says, Twelve men I went into the where the Ark of the Covenant was, and I'm not talking about about little rocks that they picked up I'm talking about great big stones that the Bible says they had to carry on their shoulder and Joshua said you all get a stone and you bring it back to this side you bring it to the camp and they did and the Bible says the 12 men brought 12 great stones and Joshua stacked those stones up and they said what are you doing Joshua and he said I want you to understand that there's going to come a day uh, your children are going to ask you uh, what do these stones represent Uh, what is it about these stones and he said when they do uh, you tell them uh, that the God of heaven has delivered them uh, that he led us across the Jordan River on dry ground Uh, those stones were there to cry out as a witness uh, that what God has done for them and he said you leave them there that your children may grow up that they may have something to see and when they ask you uh, that you have something to tell them about how mighty your God is can I tell you something church uh, we're doing a poor job of that today Uh, I'm talking about said in Sunday school a while ago, I believe it was Brother Ragland, that it made mention of the testimonies of the church of the living God. What a powerful and important part of the service that is. And so your, 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 your stones, your rocks that you've gathered all of these years, If somebody were to ask you today, now why do you trust the Lord? Would you be able to do like I did when I was a little boy? And would you be able to pull those rocks out and name them one by one? Well, this was the time that God did this. And this was the time that He did this. You see, today, I thought about what Brother Isaac said last week uh, when he was talking about his job. Now let me just break apart from this just for a minute. I want you to understand today we are in trouble. We are in so much trouble and we don't even realize it. I believe we need to go back to that rock. I believe we need to drag them out one more time. We need to get back to where we started. We need to remember the rock of our salvation. For right now, you realize you're living in an America that's... It's not the America you grew up in. It's really not. Uh, Friday, they they took two journalists to jail. The FBI handcuffed them. I'm sorry. Uh, That's right out of Nazi Germany. Uh, That's Hitler's brown shirts. That's that kind of stuff. Now, to couple that, what Isaac said last week about these tech companies wanting to implant chips, Uh, you realize the scripture says there's coming a day you will not buy, sell, or trade if you take that mark. You realize that, that what they're doing to the companies now with ESG scores, if you don't get on board their woke uh, their woke doctrine and way of life and believe in all the transgenderism and all that, you realize that your ESG score as a company, they can shut you down. It means your debit cards won't work there. They'll no longer do business with you. I'm telling you, we are in some kind of trouble. As preacher, what can we do? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you there is but one way out of this, and it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's the only thing. I'm telling you, our children are growing up in a society. I saw the other day that there was a school somewhere that had students coming out and licking and sucking on the toes of teachers. You say, preacher, what in the world? Are you talking? I'm telling you, you have no idea. You probably do because Lafayette and Macon County, there's got a lot of good teachers. I want you to realize as America, we are in trouble. Amen. We are in some kind of trouble. You realize today, uh, it, I mean, we're living in a house of cards. At some point, it's going to fall. At some point, the economy's going to fall. We throw around the word trillion dollars, but like that means absolutely nothing. You realize it? If you spent a million dollars a day since the day that Jesus walked the earth till now, you would not have spent one trillion. Isn't that something? What are we in debt now? Thirty-five trillion? Our children are being enslaved. That's right. Amen. That's right, preacher. We are in trouble. Some kind of trouble. Well, where did it start? It started over 100 years ago, really. And I'm not going to get into that. But it has progressed up until it is right now. And so so we need to gather some rocks this morning. We need to realize that there is but one way out of this. We must repent and turn back to God. That same man by the name of Joshua was about to die. And the Scripture says in the last chapter of the book of Joshua... He gathered Israel together one last time. And he gathered those men, women, and boys together. And he said, I'm going to the ways of all the earth. I'm soon going to leave here. He said, but God, your father, took your father Abraham. He began at Abraham, went to Isaac, went to Jacob, went through Moses, the Red Sea crossing, went through Pharaoh, went through all the plagues. And then he said, you know in your heart, not one saying has failed that the Lord promised you. Not one thing. In other words, God has been good to you for 40 years in the wilderness journeys. 40 years He suffered you and yet He still brought you across. And we set up those stones. And he said, you need to choose now. Who are you going to serve? America, you need to choose now who you're going to serve. Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church, you need to choose now. You don't need to wait till that day. You need to choose right now. Amen. Who are you going to serve? And he, A. Joshua said, you can serve the God well, on the other side of the flood, the God of the Amalekites, the Malachi, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all of that. Or you can serve the Lord. And they said, "He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord." And they said, "God forbid! Far be it from us to serve anybody but that God." And Joshua said, "Are you absolutely certain?" He said, Because God will not put up with sin. He will not tolerate sin. So be sure in your choice. Are you absolutely sure that's the God you want to serve? And they said, We are witnesses this day. And Joshua took a stone. We're just gathering rocks. He took a stone and he set it up under an oak tree. And he said, This stone is a witness between your words and God. It's a witness this day. I've never been to Plymouth Rock. But I want you to know there is a witness that America has with God. God set this place up. You will never convince me otherwise. That God, we had to fight for it, but God provided us a land to praise and worship Him. And it all started going sideways when we turned our backs and started worshiping other gods. The gods, there's an old poem that you ought to read called The Gods of the Copybooks the Headings. You ought to read that sometime. I mean, we've made a mockery out of God. We're not the first. Israel did that too. We come on down through history just gathering rocks this morning and we come to a man, a, a judge by the name of Samuel. Samuel was born by a miraculous birth. He grew up in the, in the temple around a man of God named Eli. But you see, Eli loved the Lord but Eli was not perfect. Eli had two sons. His sons would lay with prostitutes at the gate of the temple. Eli knew it. Eli did nothing about it. God showed Samuel in a dream when Samuel was a little boy. There's coming a day I'm going to take those sons of Eli and I'm going to make an end of them. And I'm going to make an end of Eli and all of his house. Time went on. They didn't change their ways. Time went on, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Israel is at war with the Philistines. Israel goes out to fight the Philistines Eli is old at this time and he stayed back at the temple sitting at the gate in a chair watching and waiting for word to come back how is the battle going? And as the scripture says that Israel went out remember this is the same Israel that had defeated and laid waste to everybody they had come against. But this time was different. This time their hearts had turned back from God. And, and they, were, uh, they were defeated. And 4,000 men died that day. And the, 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 then what they decided to do, they said, I know why we were defeated. We didn't have the Ark of the Covenant with us. Remember that Ark? We didn't have the presence of God with us. And so go back, you find priests to fetch that Ark of the Covenant and you bring it into our camp. And they did that. You see, they... They were like a lot of us today. They didn't really concern themselves with serving God. They didn't want to worship God. But they wanted to bring Him out as a token. They worshipped Him like an idol. They thought nothing more of God than He was just a symbol of good luck. They needed Him and when they were through with Him, they were through with Him. And so they did. They fetched the Ark of the Covenant and the Bible said when those men of God brought that Ark of the Covenant into the camp of Israel that the earth rang with the shouts of those men. <coughs> but it was, it was a false shout. It was a fleshly shout. They wanted God to help them win the war but they had no intention Of turning their hearts to Him. And so they had the ark in the battle with them. 4,000 men died. They took the Philistines. Took the ark of the covenant. The presence of God. And they took that ark back with them. Israel went back. One man escaped that army that day. Just one. And he ran and Eli saw him coming. And he said, My son, do you have any news about the war? And he said, We've been defeated. He said, I'm the only one that's left. And he said, You're, he said, what about my boys? And he said, Hoptus and Phineas are dead. And Eli didn't know what to do. His children were dead. And he said, but wait, there's more. The ark is gone. The ark of the covenant, the place that God dwelt, is gone. The Philistines took it. And when Eli heard that, He fell backward off of that chair and broke his neck and he died. Eli's daughter-in-law was listening. She heard that. Her husband was dead. Her brother-in-law was dead. She just saw her father-in-law was dead. But the thing that grieved her the most, when she heard the Ark of the Covenant was gone, she was pregnant with child, she went into hard labor. She died as that child was born. And when that child came forth, they said, You've got a baby boy. And she didn't even acknowledge they said anything. She was already gone. And they called his name Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. Can I be brutally honest with you? America is in great danger of that right now. Amen. Amen. God has protected us. Through every war and battle that we've been in. But you know why He's protected us? I love our founders. They gave us a constitution which I think came from God. I really do. There was never a nation that ruled themselves like that. You know, we're an experiment. We're just a baby of a nation. And we are an experiment. They are driving us away. They are driving everything good and godly out of our cities. They are driving away everything good and godly out of our schools. And they will eventually get to the point a man of God that preaches the truth will be like those journalists Friday. You know they arrested them, had to turn themselves in to the FBI, served a bench warrant for them, and didn't even tell them the charges that they were being arrested for. Isn't that a city? That's scary. That's scary. How can you charge somebody, arrest them, and not tell them why they're arresting you? We are living in dangerous. How much longer before they come to the pulpits? How much longer before they come to the church? You better be ready against that day. You better choose now whom you're going to serve. Then it will be far too late. You better choose now. But the glory of the Lord departed. The Philistines got that Ark of the Covenant back to their land. And they set it in the house of Dagon, their God. And they woke up the next day and Dagon was laying on the ground. They set him back up and they woke up the next day and Dagon was on the ground again. And this time his head and the palms of his hands were torn off. The presence of God showed exactly who the God of heaven really is. And so God, because they had taken His ark into a strange land, He smote the Philistines. They died. Many of them were plagued with dread diseases. And they said, we've got to get this thing away from us. And they had a council. How shall we do this? And they finally decided to take two, uh, two new milk kinds that had never been broken. And they set that ark up on a wagon. And they just turned it loose into the hand of the Lord, really. And those two milk kinds made their way with the ark behind them back in the land of Israel. And they came to the land of Beth Shemesh. And the Scripture says that there the men received the ark. They looked into it. And God slew 50,000 people there that day. God has a prescribed way of worship. We've made a mockery of it today. There is a right way to serve Him. And there are many, many, many wrong ways to serve Him. What did Paul tell Timothy? You need to know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Amen. And so what were they? That ark stayed in Bethshemesh 20 years. And after 20 years, Samuel was grown. We're gathering rocks. I'm trying to hurry. Samuel was grown after that time. And they came to Samuel. And Samuel came to them and he said what I read there. We need to repent. And we need to turn back. See, the Philistines were coming again. And Israel got word. They were stationed at the same place that 20 years earlier they were defeated. And they were scared. And they were terrified. And said, Samuel, what can we do? And Samuel, they said, Samuel, would you please pray for us? And Samuel said, I will pray for you. He said, I will. And he said, I go and get me a little bleeding lamb, a sucking lamb. And if you want the victory, I'm going to need a lamb. The lamb is the key to the victory. And the blood of that lamb began to flow. And the Philistines were on their way. And they cried. And they said, Samuel... Don't cease and don't stop. When we go out to battle, you don't stop praying for us. That happened in the days of Moses when Moses watched Joshua fight Amalek, and the Bible says when Joshua would get the best of him, when Moses held his hands up. But as soon as Moses got tired and his hands dropped, Joshua suffered defeat. And so you know what they did? We're just gathering rocks. They brought a stone for Moses to sit on. I've sat on that stone many times when I'm tired. And I can't take another step. That stone has been set underneath me. And I've sat on that stone, that firm foundation that is the Word of God. And Samuel said, I'm going to pray for you. And Samuel prayed. And God sent a hailstorm out of nowhere. And the Bible said it discomfited the Philistines and many died there that day. And you know what Samuel did? He said, you bring me a stone. And he set up that stone. And he said, the name of this stone and of this place from here forevermore shall be called Ebenezer. It's the place that the Lord helped us. I've got a lot of Ebenezer's in my life. I've got a lot of places. You can call them fence posts and that would be fair. As you go along, you can see the markers. As I mentioned, I've I've, I've, I've picked up rocks this week that Brother Ricky has put down. I can see the ordinations of days gone by. I can see the church fellowships from days gone by. Could I say something right now? I'm not trying to offend anybody if the churches would begin to pull out those rocks from under the bed we would see how much God helped us Amen. when there was unity between us that's right that's right we're just picking up rocks and so he said it's ebenezer do you have an ebenezer i've got a drawer full of ebenezers i mean i've got i've got ebenezers for days that the lord has helped me when i think there's no way I'm gonna get through this. There's no way my family's gonna get through this. And all of a sudden, God comes on the scene. And right, Ebenezer is a place where you know beyond a doubt you would have not made it had God not helped you. Amen. He said, "That's an Ebenezer." Gilgal was where Joshua set up a stone. Ebenezer. Gilgal means a rolling away. That the reproach of Egypt, you're no longer a slave. I've got a Gilgal. It's at an altar where I went from a slave unto a son. You got a Gilgal? You got a place where the reproach of this world was rolled off of you. If you've been saved, you've got a Gilgal. And I would bet money on it today if I was a betting man that if you've got a Gilgal, you've got at least One Ebenezer in your life. I've got a bunch of them. When I was a kid, we kept that bucket of rocks under the bed. But every once in a while, just in case we forgot how beautiful they were, me and Kendra would pull them things out and begin to look at the creation that God had made. It'd do us good from time to time to take that out from under where we've got it hid, pick up those rocks one by one, Satan will declare to you today God will not help you that you're doomed and you're doomed to fail in what you set your hand to do. You know when he does that, you know what will run him off? You pull out those rocks and you start showing Satan your Ebenezer stone. That will shut him out. Well, you know without a doubt God has been with you. Now what I read there in Luke, what did it say? It said that Jesus just rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The last time He would ever come into that city before the crucifixion. And the men were there strolling Paul branches in their way saying, Blessed is He that cometh in the name of the Lord. Could we not say that same thing today? He is coming again. Blessed is He. And the men that stood by heard those men say that. And they told the Lord, listen at what they're saying. You need to tell them to hush. That's what the world tells the church today. You need to hush. I'll say today what Jesus said then. If these should hold their peace, these stones would cry out. There is a witness. That's what Joshua said. He set up the stone underneath the oak tree. He said, this stone has heard your words. And it's going to be a witness between you and God. What did Jesus say? Those stones would cry out. When John the Baptist came baptizing, when the first and new to the last prophet of the Old Testament was John the Baptist. That's what the Scripture says. He came preaching repentance and faith. And as he preached, a generation of vipers gathered on the seashore or on the riverbank. And they began to question and argue with John. You know what John said? I wonder sometimes if he was standing in the exact same spot that thousands of years before, Joshua had set up stones in the midst of Not only did Joshua take stones out of Jordan, the Bible said he also put stones in Jordan where the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant stood whether he was standing in those stones or if he could see the stone maybe he had no idea but i know how god works i'm of half a mind that the stones that were there at the jordan was the very same stones that joshua had directed thousands of years before and john the baptist said god is able of these stones To raise up children unto Abraham, isn't that a remarkable thing? I think it was probably the same stone. I can't prove that the Bible doesn't say, but that's how God would work things. He's a magnificent God.
1: Just gathering
0: rocks, but there is one rock. I mean, well, there's two. There's an old saying, and it's not Bible. There is a scripture that says the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Jewish history, whether this is true or not, I have no idea. That was scripture. But there's a Jewish history, whether it's true or not, I have no idea. But it would make, I tend to believe it is because it would make that scripture seem so much more real that when Solomon was building his temple, the men were cutting stones out of the mountain. And they they would just bring the stones and bring them to the builders, and the builders would begin to build with those stones. But the builders came across a stone, according to Jewish history, that didn't fit. They had no idea what to do with it. And so history says those stones those builders threw it off to the side and weeds begin to grow up around it. It took years to build this temple. And as the weeds grow up, men forgot about that stone. And tradition and history says the temple was almost complete. But there was one stone missing and they couldn't find it. And beyond that, it was the chief cornerstone. And somebody remembered, wait a minute, Wasn't there a stone that we put away? Wasn't there a stone that we cast aside and they wouldn't got that stone? And it was the head cornerstone. Can I tell you something? Our generation has cast the foundation stone, the head cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. We have threw Him away and forgotten all about Him. America... And every other nation will fall by the wayside without that foundation stone. I don't care how smart your politicians are that you elect, I don't care what kind of grand ideas they come up with. We are in trouble. We've enslaved a generation. I don't fear for me. I'm fully aware I've got more days behind me than I've got in front of me. I'm aware of that.
1: And a lot of you
0: are aware of that too. Could I beg you, look at these children. What kind of church and what kind of country are we leaving them? That concerns me deeply. Without the cornerstone, they don't have a chance. How do we get out of it? You do what Samuel did. Samuel said, we need to pray and we need to repent. We've got a lot of repenting to do as a nation. 60 million or so innocent babies, transgender. They're, they're making it so now that you can't give you can't give a child a title now without a parent's signature, but they can get an abortion. They can get a sex change. They can get hormone-blocking pills and feed your child without you even knowing. We're in trouble. There is one more stone. And then we're done gathering stones. Jesus Christ, Son of God, God in the flesh, was crucified at Calvary. And he lay in the grave three days. But the Bible says on the third day, very early in the week, a group of women went to the tomb. And that tomb had been sealed with a great massive stone. And they had no idea how they were going to remove that stone. But the Bible said as they got there, The stone was rolled away. (coughs) Aren't you glad? Our church today is based upon that stone being rolled away. It wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. I personally think He had already left while the stone was still there. But the stone had been rolled back. To let those women in so they could Amen. see in, so they could see that the God that they serve and the one that they love had rose from the dead. Amen. Boy, that stone is precious. Maybe is maybe more precious than all the other stones because without that stone, I'd have no Gilgals. Without that stone, I'd have no Ebenezer's. Without that stone, I would have nothing. But with that stone Amen. and the resurrection promise that we, you know you're going to have a stone one day one day when I'm laid beneath the earth they're going to mark my spot they're going to put a stone up and it's going to say maybe here lies but that's going to be a lie I'm not going to be there here lies the body but because of that resurrection stone rolled away I will not be there But that stone's going to be there. And it'll be a marker of your life. Who you are. They don't tell a great big story. I've heard preachers say at funerals sometimes, the year of your birth, mine was 1977. I don't know when the year of my death will be, but there'll be a little dash in between those years. And it's that dash that represents your entire life. What? The stones are crying out. What is your stone saying today? Do you have Ebenezer's? What we've been trying to do and begging you to do, there's nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. I think of Sister Bridget, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I'll use you as an example again. She told me in revival season, and my boys, if they have to choose, if I have to choose for them, that they're gonna be at the house of God. The football can wait. May I say to you how that decision bore fruit? And my friend, they both got saved one night because she made a choice. We've been trying to implore you as mamas and daddies. Uh, There's nothing wrong with sports. They've got their place. They teach life lessons. They teach lots of good things. Uh, But my friend, there is something far more important. Bring your children to the house of God. Why? Because you've got a church full of people that's collected a lot of rocks over the years. And from time to time, we like to take your little babies and pull out our basket of rocks. And begin to show them one by one. David had a rock. And just a smooth stone he picked up. And with that stone he slew a giant. I wonder if David hung on to that stone. And for years he was able to say this. This is where the Lord got in my sleep. Can I say to you today. The church and the living God. And the government's powerful and they're pure incarnated evil, evil, evil. You can you can disagree with me all you want. I'm going to say they are pure unmitigated evil. The church is vastly more powerful than any government the world has ever known. Right. Yeah. Well, We've got the stones to prove it. We've got. You ever faced any giants? Remember how scared you were. I've killed a few of those giants with just a stone. That's all David had, just a stone. But for the rest of his life, don't you imagine he told that story? There I was, just a teenage boy, not a stitch of armor on me, and this great champion Goliath came out, defied the armies of the living God. And he said, I went out and faced him. And said, he said to me, you're just a little dog come out. You send a dog out. And David said, you are defying the name of the God of the armies of Israel. And I can't stand for that. Our culture and our governments today are defying the name of the Lord God of Israel and America. And I will not stand for it anymore you got stones. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to warn you. There is hope. It don't have to be that way. We don't have to go down like that. There is hope. If God's people will repent and turn to Him and not just do what Israel did and bring Him out as an ark, as a token when we're fighting a battle and that wasn't serving Him if we truly worship and serve Him with all of our heart. I still believe God will hear our cry and He'll help us out of this mess if we do what Israel did and just praise Him in name only, worship Him in name only, and bring Him out as a token on Sunday morning. I went to church. I did. that's not serving God. That's making a mockery of everything that He is. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to warn you. The days are vastly quickly approaching. Vastly quickly approaching. We're going, to need our, we're going to need our bucket of rocks handy. The days are getting dark. We need to pull those out and remember. Just remember. Just remember all that God has brought you through. And have faith that He will bring you through another day. He will stand with you against your Goliath with just a rock. Just a rock. Have you got a Gilgal, an Ebenezer? Have you got a bucket of rocks? The rocks are crying out. That's what I've got for you. May God bless you. Let's have a song.